welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn and I pray all is well with everyone and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and other selves all over the world. And no matter the negative circumstances and appearances constantly projected upon mankind by mankind, understand that we do have the power of our mighty I Am Presence to turn those negative circumstances and appearances into positives for everyone. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. The first step of a truth student in handling the psychic forces of consciousness is the same as that in handling any other, and that is to realize that God is the one and only power, to declare with Byron, there is no God but God. To prayer, lo! God is great. The name Psyche, which figures in Greek mythology, means breath, life. Psyche is represented as one of the three daughters of a king. These three daughters are spirit, soul, and body. Psyche is the soul in its many earthly experiences, in its failures and its successes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His law is for the use of all alike. Man interprets His law and operates in accord with it to the best of his ability in his endeavor to grow and prove his mastery over the many events that take place in his life. If man would become expert in handling scientifically the psychical forces, he should first get a thorough understanding of just what these forces are, and above all he should know that like other forces they are subservient to God's law. The psychic or soul realm includes the sum total of consciousness, all that the individual has experienced. In analyzing the soul realm, we have first the animal soul. The animal soul comprises all sensations and all thoughts that we entertain with reference to animal life. Through man's thought the animal soul forms the animal man. The second element in the soul realm, the human soul, is one step higher than the animal and comprises all the thoughts and emotions we entertain on the human plane of consciousness, thoughts of family, of friends, of business associates, or personal possessions. The third and highest element of soul is the spiritual. This phase of the soul is the depository of all thoughts and aspirations we have ever had about God and things spiritual. Here also we find a consciousness that relates us to God and forms the connecting link between the human and the divine. When through prayers, meditations, and good works man has built spiritual qualities into his soul to the point of dominance over the animal and human natures, he is ready for the regeneration with Jesus Christ. It is true that through the animal and human departments of the soul we are in sympathy with all nature, which includes the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and as these are all ensouled, Their reactions affect us when there is no higher power in evidence. But there is a higher power in us every one, spirit. In Genesis it is stated that spiritual man, the image and likeness man, was given dominion over all creation. As Shakespeare aptly says, 
The fault is not in our stars, but in ourselves, that we are underlings. In our ongoing, we endeavor always to bear in mind that God is the one and only power. We must know and realize that the great intelligence of God works in every conceivable way to lead us into the light, thus aiding us in avoiding error conditions. The indwelling Christ will neither slumber nor sleep, with the Holy Spirit it is teaching us the great truth that we are gods in the making, and that as such, we have dominion over every thought and condition. When Jesus was born in the manger in Bethlehem the star appeared in the east and pointed the way for the wise men to the spot where the young child lay. A mighty soul had been incarnated and had come to do a mighty work on the earth. So great was the occasion that the whole heavenly universe sang with joy. This to the individual means that a speck of light shone in the east, the within, revealing to the illumined soul what was taking place. The star is a symbol of potentiality, it represents expanding possibilities. The saving I am, had at last made its spiritual power manifest in the earth. But was the star seen by those who were not spiritually illumined? No. They had eyes but saw not. Only the illumined, the awakened, could perceive the star of Bethlehem. So, the spiritual I am, is often doing a great work in a man, and the man knows it not. This scripture also reveals the way in which spirit often uses the so-called psychic to do its bidding, to reveal its power. Today men are breaking into the psychic realm as never before, and not being consciously unified with spirit, are becoming entangled in their own mentality, in addition to the psychic vibrations of the whole race. Often this leads to very unpleasant experiences. In fact, all people are being quickened, and in the absence of an understanding of truth erratic states of mind are formed that cause fantastic notions about many things. Persons in this condition often become supersensitive and imagine that they are being criticized, that others are talking about them, and a thousand and one other things. Very often this condition is the result of trying to communicate with the dead through mediums and spiritualistic seances. There is a realm in which the souls that have left the body are functioning feebly. Spiritualists call it spirit land or the home of the soul. The early Christians taught that those who had passed away were asleep. This is not true of all persons, but those who have lived a long, strenuous life and are weary, want rest and fall asleep. Paul said, because you have not discerned the Lord's body you have fallen asleep. Others who have lost their body early in life are ready for immediate action and reincarnation, and do not find sleep necessary. Eventually all souls reincarnate on the earth as babes, and in due time take up their problems where they left off at death. But before they do reincarnate, they sometimes try to communicate with their loved ones here on earth. This is never satisfactory it leads nowhere. Persons who sit in seances are taking a great risk. Instead of really getting in touch with their loved ones they are apt to make contact with psychic forces of a low order, that tend to weaken their faith in God. Paul said, Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. When a person is established in the Christ's power and dominion, he finds that spirit often uses the mental realm to reveal to him some message that is of vital importance to him. Such messages are imparted through dreams and visions. When the soul is still, as in sleep, the spirit of truth throws the message on the screen of the mind in the form of thought pictures. One only has to read the symbols in order to receive the message. If the message is constructive, it is well to praise God and give thanks. If it is of a destructive nature, take the message into the silence and place it before God. Hold the thought for light, until you have the realization that the illumination of spirit permeates and penetrates the whole condition. 
Spiritual light transforms, reconstructs, and makes beautiful. Joseph, the son of Jacob, was an expert at interpreting dreams and visions. However many of the patriarchs of old were well versed in the art of deciphering the visions of the night. Again, the psychic realm is the realm in which primitive man, Adam and Eve, first functioned. Instead of listening to the Lord they listened to the serpent, the sense man, and learned to indulge in sensation until it depleted divine substance. Disintegration of the body followed. This is physical death. For this cause, the human family lost their original estate in the ethereal or heavenly kingdom and descended into earthly fleshly consciousness. We are now, through Christ, listening to Jehovah God, through whom we are learning the law of life, and we are being restored to the understanding that all the factors that enter into life are here all the time, and are ours to use. Through Christ man has dominion. Through Christ it is possible for us to make the perfect union between soul and body, and enter into the consciousness of almightiness, thus being restored to the paradise of God from which we originally came forth. We should not think of the psychic realm as evil or be afraid of it. Through Christ we possess mastery and dominion over all realms. Through our own Christ dominion, we develop spiritual powers to handle the psychic realm to great advantage. And that this is a realm in which tremendous forces are present is being discovered by the investigations of physical science. Jesus often referred to the kingdom of the heavens or the kingdom of God, which he said was very nigh unto us and even within us. This kingdom is above the psychic, awaiting our appropriation of it through prayer. Jesus told his followers that after his ascension they were to go into the upper room in Jerusalem, a high, peaceful state of consciousness, where the Holy Spirit would come upon them with power. Science says the ether possesses dynamic power beyond anything we can imagine. Sir Oliver Lodge is quoted as saying that there is energy enough, in one inch three of ether, to run a 40 horsepower engine for 40 millions of years. This is beyond all human conception, but many of the stories that science is telling us about the power of the ether are fully equal to this, and if they were in the Bible, skeptics would point to them as examples of the credulity of the Christians. Jesus says that all power should be given to us, which carries with it the idea of unlimited capacity. For mastery and dominion over all conditions affirm, I am, that I am. Through Jesus Christ I am the master of every realm of consciousness in my being. Through Jesus Christ I enter into a full and complete understanding of how to handle all states of consciousness to the glory of God. I am illumined with the light of spirit, and I bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I commit all my works unto Jehovah, and my purposes are established. Every plane of consciousness in me is transformed, by the renewing of the mind. Teach Us to Pray, by Charles Fillmore, 1941. Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 2. The doctrine of planetary and terrestrial Petrus was revealed entirely in ancient India, as well as now, only at the last moment of initiation, and to the adepts of superior degrees. Many are the fakirs, who, though pure and honest, and self-devoted, have yet never seen the astral form of a purely human Petar, an ancestor or father, otherwise than at the solemn moment of their first and last initiation. It is in the presence of his instructor, the Guru, and just before the Vitu Fakir is dispatched into the world of the living, with his seven-knotted bamboo wand for all protection, 
that he is suddenly placed face to face with the unknown presence. He sees it and falls prostrate at the feet of the evanescent form but is not entrusted with the great secret of its evocation, for it is the supreme mystery of the holy syllable. The Om contains the evocation of the Vedic triad, the Trimurti Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, say the Orientalists, it contains the evocation of something more real and objective than this triune abstraction, we say, respectfully contradicting the eminent scientists. It is the trinity of man himself, on his way to become immortal through the solemn union of his inner triune self, the exterior, gross body, the husk not even being taken in consideration in this human trinity. It is, when this trinity, in anticipation of the final triumphant reunion beyond the gates of corporeal death became for a few seconds a unity, that the candidate is allowed, at the moment of the initiation, to behold his future self. Thus, we read in the Persian Desatur, of the resplendent one, in the Greek philosopher initiates, of the Augoides, the self-shining blessed vision resident in the pure light, in Porphyry, that Plotinus was united to his god six times during his lifetime, and so on. In ancient India, the mystery of the triad, known but to the initiates, could not, under the penalty of death, be revealed to the vulgar, says Verhaspeshi. Neither could it in the ancient Grecian and Samothracian mysteries. Nor can it be now. It is in the hands of the adepts and must remain a mystery to the world so long as the materialistic savant regards it as an undemonstrated fallacy, an insane hallucination, and the dogmatic theologian, a snare of the evil one. H. P. Blavatsky Subjective communication with the human, godlike spirits of those who have preceded us to the silent land of bliss, is in India divided into three categories. Under the spiritual training of a guru or sannyasi, the Vatu, disciple or neophyte, begins to feel them. Were he not under the immediate guidance of an adept, he would be controlled by the invisibles, and utterly at their mercy, for among these subjective influences he is unable to discern the good from the bad. Happy the sensitive who is sure of the purity of his spiritual atmosphere. To this subjective consciousness, which is the first degree, is, after a time, added that of clairaudience. This is the second degree or stage of development. The sensitive, when not naturally made so by psychological training, now audibly hears but is still unable to discern, and is incapable of verifying his impressions, and one who is unprotected the tricky powers of the air but too often delude with semblances of voices and speech. But the guru's influence is there, it is the most powerful shield against the intrusion of the bhutna into the atmosphere of the vatu, consecrated to the pure, human, and celestial petrus. The third degree is that when the fakir or any other candidate both feels, hears, and sees, and when he can it will produce the reflections of the petrus on the mirror of astral light. All depends upon his psychological and mesmeric powers, which are always proportionate to the intensity of his will. But the fakir will never control the akasha, the spiritual life principle, the omnipotent agent of every phenomenon, in the same degree as an adept of the third and highest initiation. And the phenomena produced by the will of the latter do not generally run the marketplaces for the satisfaction of open-mouthed investigators. The unity of God, the immortality of the spirit, belief in salvation only through our works, merit and demerit, such are the principal articles of faith of the wisdom religion, and the groundwork of Vedaism, Buddhism, Parsism, and such we find to have been even that of the ancient Osirism, when we, after abandoning the popular sun-god to the materialism of the rabble, confine our attention to the books of Hermes, the thrice great. The thought concealed is yet the world in silence and darkness, 
Then the Lord who exists through himself, and who is not to be divulged to the external senses of man, dissipated darkness and manifested the perceptible world. He that can be perceived only by the spirit, that escapes the organs of sense, who is without visible parts, eternal, the soul of all beings, that none can comprehend, displayed his own splendor. Manu, Book 1, Shlokas, 6-7. Such is the ideal of the supreme in the mind of every Hindu philosopher. Of all the duties, the principal one is to acquire the knowledge of the supreme soul, the spirit, it is the first of all sciences, for it alone confers on man immortality. Manu, Book 12, Sloka 85. And our scientists talk of the nirvana of Buddha and the moksha of Brahma as of a complete annihilation. It is thus that the following verse is interpreted by some materialists. The man who recognizes the supreme soul, in his own soul, as well as in that of all creatures, and who is equally just to all, whether man or animals, obtains the happiest of all fates, that to be finally absorbed in the bosom of Brahma. Manu, Book 12, Sloka 125 H.P. Blavatsky The loved ones of the mighty Saint Germain's family, I wish to extend to you today the love, the gratitude, and every assistance possible from the angelic host and the ascended host, in your service and effort to hold to the light in the midst of the outer world's chaos and darkness, and in order to help you understand more clearly the assistance which we give. I know it will bring to you the greater power and greater happiness of your loving cooperation with us. I wish to make it clear today that there is never any activity of the sacred fire brought forth into the physical conditions of this world that is not accompanied by one or more of the angelic host, to hold the concentration and protection about that sacred fire until whatever is to be accomplished is finished. Therefore, in the calls you have sent forth for the various activities of the sacred fire to come into outer physical conditions, there have been legions of angels, and the cherubim and seraphim, legions that have held in concentrated action, the sacred fire that has been released at your calls. Therefore, I want you to feel that the angelic hosts are ever with you, closer than you understand, and more powerful by far than any of the unascended mankind of this world can comprehend. Since the angelic hosts are the guardians of all activities of the sacred fire, then they must be present whenever this sacred fire is called into action to purify or protect that which is constructive. So will you, from today, be more aware of their presence with you whenever you make the call for any activity of the sacred fire to come into you or your world, or to assist mankind or your nation to freedom. If you will be more aware of the closeness of the angelic host, they not only can release greater power into you and your world, but I assure you, will bring you greater blessing. Since the messenger was here last week, I mean in the week just past, the angels of the violet flame have not left her for an instant. And I want you to be as continuously aware of their presence with you. Be aware of them sometime each day in the things you're doing in the outer world, in order to give them recognition and acceptance of their presence with you powerfully enough to let them give you their greater gifts. Beloved Archangel Michael, Now in using the greater powers of life which come from the higher mental body or can enfold you from any of the ascended host, there must come greater protection about you, and greater safety in the use of those powers. And the angelic host are the greater protection and the greater safety which the great cosmic law of life provides while you are using those powers. 
For instance, supposing the power of precipitation, direct from the universal, were required in some emergency. While you were drawing that power and your higher mental body was concentrating it through the physical self for your outer use, you would have to be enfolded in the wings of flame from one or more of the angels of the violet flame and the blue flame, to hold purity around you so that that which is required in the outer to perform a certain service could form perfectly, and release into your outer use that which would bring you victory and perfection. And also, there would surround you the angels of the blue flame to keep you insulated and invisible while the power of precipitation was acting in and around whatever you require to bring forth. And so it is with the power of healing. So it is with the power of purity. Wherever these activities of the sacred fire are needed by mankind in order to transmute and purify and change conditions in physical manifestation, there must come these activities of the sacred fire and of the angelic host, in order to produce these manifestations that transmute conditions and set life streams free. So, since that is part of my service to life, to not only clear the way and consume that which is wrong, but also to bring the gifts of the powers of life that mankind may have greater freedom to produce greater perfection. So it is imperative that there come more conscious cooperation, more conscious awareness, and more conscious love from unascended beings to the angelic host. You see, there is a certain awareness in life to some degree, an acceptance of the angels, but so many people think they're either imaginary beings or that they're just someone's hallucination. What I wish to convey to you today is the full conscious knowledge, feeling, love and acceptance of their presence with you, if you will. Applause. Thank you, beloved ones. Now the more you can be aware of their presence, the more power they can draw in and around you, and the more service they can give to life. The more you can remember that every time you call forth the sacred fire, a being of the angelic host comes to guard that gift of God for which you call. So, in holding the picture of the fulfillment of your calls, I would appreciate it greatly if you would also hold the picture of those angelic hosts, who are guardians of the sacred fire's activity that you require. Beloved Archangel Michael, 